Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the newest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and, of course, talk shit about everyone else. And um, this Who's week's on the a list given. Today, Zach? Who's on the list today if people were talking shit about? There's, it's a long list, right? Tottenham Hotspur, mm-hmm. Anthony as Taylor, yes. Mike Dean, yes. the PGMOL as a whole, Antonio Conte, every single mm-hmm. one of his assistants. Rodrigo Bentancur, Romero, Harry oh. Kane for claiming that it was a winner, Eves Basuma for going to the corner and acting like he actually played a part in that comeback. Um, <laughs> who else? Who else deserves some 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 shit thrown in their face this weekend? I mean, I guess anybody that was sitting on the away in the away dugout or anybody that was associated with the away dugout can obviously suck a fat one, but. I think I I think I got all the big names out of the way at least unless I'm missing one. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think you nailed it to be honest. Oh, and Richarlison, oh. by the way, too, for oh, not for- not even being able to outpace a 87 minutes into the match, 34 year old Dave. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, that was, that was a great list. I think that I think you hit you hit everything. But oh man, I'm. What a what a great way to just absolutely ruin your Sunday, huh? After such a good Saturday. Yeah, especially for Andreas, um, the Sunday after the day after your wedding. Um, so of course Andreas isn't with us today. Uh he is uh on his honeymoon. So big congratulations to him. Me and Zach flew out to Houston. This past weekend, to join him and his lovely wife Hannah uh, for their wedding, it was beautiful. It was awesome. We had a, an amazing time. Congratulations! Oh, Congratulations to both of them. Um, sorry that Chelsea weren't able to make your perfect weekend uh, a reality, but I think that you you accomplished a lot uh, enough to call it a good, pretty good weekend, Andreas. Sort of offset it. He texted us in the morning and he said, um, he said, this, this ruined my weekend, my wedding weekend. <laughs> it ruined it. <laughs> a little bit, uh, a little bit exaggerated there, but yeah, I mean, it was just an ugly stain on such a good weekend, especially considering how well we played. Yeah. Um, I guess since we were starting off with talking about, about Andreas, all he did send us a little bit um, his his overall take of the match. I guess we'll start off with that. Uh, he said, "If Anthony Taylor wasn't the referee, I would have been spot on for this match." Oh, even when Andreas isn't on the pod, he's still bragging about when he's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the squad came to not only play but dominate. We counterpressed like rabid animals, pinned them deep in their own half. And on the ball, um, the passing was crisp, purposeful, and even direct. Sure, there was a couple of, quote, usual Chelsea chances missed, but Tuchel's vision of what the team should be was clear and obvious today. 
Let Tottenham celebrate a corrupt draw today. Chelsea will be laughing when this season ends. Um, I think that was a pretty good summary of of yeah the it, full nine or ninety plus minutes. I guess this one just kind of hurt more than all the others. I mean, obviously because it's Tottenham, and then obviously there's the Antonio Conte issue. But the fact mm-hmm. that the result wasn't a the result wasn't a direct result of our doing or undoing it was completely out of our hands and that that's the part that just gets me the team did everything they needed to do to win the game i mean maybe you can argue that kai Havertz one of those yeah. puts that in it changes the game or if sterling doesn't oh, blaze it over the bar yeah but the point is generally speaking if you score two goals and you defend the way we defended you get a clean mm-hmm. sheet it should be enough for a win. And Tuchel, Tuchel alluded to that after the match. So that's the part that sucked for me, is that we just played so fucking well. We got the performance that we were criticizing the team for not giving us last week, yet the result wasn't there. So it's just kind of like a kick in the nuts. Oh, and the fact that it was against Spurs. I mean, this was the first match we watched together in a while, honestly. And also... Yeah. Breaking news to the podcast, Zach, you're going to be moving soon, right down the street for me. So we'll be watching a lot of matches together. Oh yeah, maybe even recording some podcasts, podcast episodes live. Many yeah. podcasts. <laughs> I did say podcasts. <laughs> no, no, um, we will, we will. And if you notice, the sound quality is better too. Um, we well, use this, we're using Discord yeah. now. Yeah, this is this is a test actually. So please let us know if you think it's better or worse. Um, this is our first time trying it on Discord. It's a new method of recording it. Uh, so you know, usually we usually go, uh, we usually record on Skype. So please let us know if you think that this is better, um, or if you think it's worse. Um, we're trying to, you know, improve everything. Uh, so let's start off by going through the starting lineup. We had Mendy in goal, a back three of Reese James, Thiago Silva, and Koulibaly. Uh, as our wing backs, we had RLC on the right, Kukurea on the left, uh, midfield pivot of Angolo Conte and Jorginho, so the Jorgolo um, pairing. Then a front three of Mason Mount, Raheem Sterling, and Kai Havertz. So uh, it's pretty funny because our our two new signings were involved in both goals. So the first goal, right? Or three? Yeah, three of our signings were involved. Of our sorry, three of our new signings were involved in both goals. The first one, Kukurea with the assist to Kulobali on that on the corner, and then Sterling assisted uh, Reese's goal. So that's an interesting trend, and also not so interesting trend. Something that kind of bothers me is that both goals again were scored by defenders. This is just something that we had an issue of last year. Our front three is not lethal enough. We have to rely on goals from either penalties or goals from our defenders. And you know, if 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 it comes to that, cool. But I would like to see our front three get involved a little bit on scoring, wouldn't you, Zach? They need to. Um, that's the only criticism I had of them this game is that they didn't actually get the goal. 
I thought in terms of doing their job in the counter press, in chance creation, um, I, I thought they I thought they were relatively good. But again, mm-hmm. it's the final product, right? I will say this: I think Sterling looks like a player that's been playing with us for a while. He doesn't necessarily look like a new signing in the same way that Koulibaly and Kukurea do. Uh, the, in the same way that Kukurea and Koulibaly do. Wow, that was so hard to say back to back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tongue twister. But yeah, look, it it just goes to show again, and I mentioned this last week. We made the right signings, and the fact that these guys are hitting the ground running is proving that. Now, for the other two guys like Mason Mountain Kai, who we criticized last week for just not playing well whatsoever. They actually showed up today, or yesterday rather. I thought Kai was pretty good on the day. Frustrating at times, a little lightweight at times. He didn't really touch the ball for the first 15 or 20 minutes, but it, once the, once he got up to the speed of the game, he started barging people over, getting stuck in, and that's the kind of Kai we wanted to see. And I mentioned it to you while we were watching the game too. He showed shades of that aggression that he had against Real Madrid two years ago when we won the Champions League. And mm-hmm. if he can sort of unlock that player week after week after week the goals and assists are going to come it's just a matter of time for him so Mm -hmm. i'm not as down as on him as i was last week i'm a little bit more positive a little bit more upbeat same thing goes for mason mount i thought mason mount had a really good game as well he kept it nice and tidy um so yeah i mean onwards and upwards from here i guess but yeah it, it is a concern that they're still not scoring those goals the clock is really ticking for all three of them to be completely honest if i think if they don't nick a goal in the next match we're going to see a completely different front three you know two weeks from now or three weeks from now yeah in the match you know kai had a chance early on that uh yoris saved that was a that was on target so uh, i'm happy about that the second miss was atrocious there was an unbelievable ball from reese james and he had no excuse to not put that away and during the match, I'm I'm pissed off. I'm cursing off. I'm cursing out Kai Havertz. I think I'm saying I want nothing to do with him. Never start him again. And then after the match, like after I you know get a chance to cool off a little bit, I always have to remind myself Kai Havertz is not a striker. Like yeah. to judge him as a striker, because I I mean he he is playing that position right now, and so like in the match. You have to judge him that way. But at the end of the day, that's not his position. Because if you see all the, you know, the side the side stuff he did, like the, the beautiful one-touch passes, he had a couple nice, a couple nice dribbles, um, and, you know, pretty decent decision-making overall. Good effort. A little bit of intensity as well at the end when he uh, knocked over Romero. Mm-hmm. I think... Yeah. Like that's those are all signs of a cam. Like that's what he is. He he is naturally a ten. And until we find a striker, this is going to be an issue. I mean, Raheem Sterling hasn't scored yet in two matches. He was supposed to be the guy who was was putting him away. Mason Mount hasn't really, you know, like at least with 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 Raheem. He's had like good chances. He just hasn't put it away. It seems like in the first two matches, I haven't really seen Mason have like a really good chance of scoring. Yeah, he's taken some shots 
on target, but they weren't like clear cut chances. So yeah, nothing like I, Kai or, or Sterling has seen. But to kind of yeah. cut you off there, Sam. To be fair to Kai and Raheem, they've been playing more as a traditional striker role in the front three. There, it's one of it's one of those two is always going to be the highest player in the front three. It's never going to be Mason playing in that middle. It lo- it it looks like this season at least he's sort of dropping off and playing like a kind of like a free flowing ten just underneath Kai and, and Raheem. Yeah, which is like so maybe maybe that's a cause for it. Maybe he's just starting off a little bit deeper and and trying to create more than be the finisher. Yeah, I'm not saying that as like a slight to Mace. I'm just saying like as far as the the goal scoring chances being created by our front three, mm-hmm. it's 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 been mostly Kai and Raheem, and neither of them have scored yet yeah. in these first two matches. And it's just, it's really worrying. There aren't too many options out there. Like, it hates me to say this, but the best option out there is Aubameyang. And it just, like, kills me to say that because I don't want anything to do with him. But at the same time, like, we need someone who knows how to score. Like, like someone who's a natural striker. Whether, yeah. whether, whether Broja can eventually become, like, a starting nine and then we can play... Kai at the 10. We can play Mace more at an 8. I mean, you know our midfield is just opened wide up uh, because of the N'Golo Conte injury. So, you know, I think we'll see a lot, like, we'll see a lot more chances for Mason Mount to play a little bit deeper um, in that maybe, 8 role. But maybe him, who Connor knows? Gallagher. I mean, we'll get to that in a little. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I see I see your point, though. And, and yeah, I mean, I guess I said... I don't I don't want to say Kai's a 10 or a cam because I don't think he is. I think he's more he's def- of He's just definitely not a striker. I think he's not that, a, yeah, you're, in your traditional he's sense. He's not a striker. Yeah. He's not a yeah. forward. He's not a center forward. He he's not a goal scorer like poacher like any like he's not a target man. He's not anything that you would want your center forward or your striker to be. He is more like a maestro. Like he's great with the ball, he's very smooth, and I don't know what his role is. Like you know, I don't want to put a a box around what his his true position is. But one thing I do know for sure is that he's not a striker, and no, I don't think sense. I don't think he I don't think like, he'd consider himself that either. You know? No, I I, I like semi agree with you. I semi agree with you because like not a lot of strikers. Okay, well, well, well. What's your definition of a striker, Sam? Is it a number nine? Is it like a Romelu Lukaku profile, a big target man that just kind of stays in the box and gets a bunch well, of tap-ins? I, no, I'm saying there's mo- there's there's multiple definitions of someone who can like someone who can play that mm-hmm. role, and Kai Havertz fits none of them. Yeah, I mean the sad thing is, and and I noticed this today while watching the Liverpool match. You know, they have actual match winners and i think that's the word that that we're looking for or that's the word that's missing with kai and it's funny because he scored the match winner in the champions league final but outside of that song i can't really think of very many important goals that he scored i mean the penalty shootout against in the what, what was it he scored a he scored a penalty for us that sent us through but i forget which tournament it was but outside of that not very big goals have been scored by him right he doesn't necessarily strike you as a sort of match-winning player. Like when you look at a team like Liverpool, for example, 
they have two match winners after losing Sadio Mane. If they keep Sadio Mane, they have three legitimate match winners in their team. You look at Manchester City, they probably have five match winners. <laughs> they got De Bruyne, they got Holland, they got Foden, they have Grealish, they have uh, Riyad Mahrez pulls up pulls up big in big game situations. They have that Argentinian striker now. So you look around the rest of the league and there's match winners here, there, and everywhere. And you look at Chelsea and who's our biggest match winner? Reece oh, James? Oh, forget, forget <laughs> like, yeah, forget like scoring a, you know, a big goal like an important goal match winning goal like a goal in general like he can't score he hasn't been scoring goals in general you well, know okay. like I, I read this stat last last match i forgot mm-hmm. or last episode i forgot what it was but it was like five goal contributions in the past calendar year in the premier league yeah it's not gonna cut it and and, and my yeah. point is you know like the liverpool game today they go down to 10 men and Luis Diaz pulls a rabbit out yeah. of his hat, and all of a sudden, it completely changes the game. And Liverpool were they were playing to win in the last 10 or 15 minutes. My point mm-hmm. is, our team doesn't have a player like that. There's nobody yeah. that I can look at in this Chelsea team, maybe outside of Reese James or a moment of magic for Mason Mount, where, some, where I can say, all right, you know what? This guy could take somebody 1v1 and stick it in the top corner whenever he wants. Like he he has the ability mm-hmm. to do that. We don't have anybody like that, and that's the that that's the kind of thing that bothers me because all the other big teams around Europe they have three or four guys like that. We have none. Yeah, and I guess that is more important in a match where you're down and you're trying to come back and win. Um, you know, in, in both matches we haven't we haven't been down in either match yet. Um, yeah. So that hasn't really come into play yet this season. But, but but even when the team is not like banging, look at Everton for example. We had to rely on again a defender drawing a penalty, and Jorginho winning us the game. It shouldn't have to come down to something like that. Even if the team's not playing well, in in the Everton example, you know uh, a Christian Pulisic or a Raheem Sterling or a Kai Havertz or a Mason Mount should be able to produce. Five seconds of brilliance in ninety in in the midst of ninety minutes of shit. You know what I mean? And that's what Liverpool did today. They played like crap, but they got away with a victory. But they got away with a point because mm-hmm. they have a player like that. And you know you're going to see Man City do the same thing throughout the season. I know they're winning easily now, but when injuries start racking up and the, and the fixture pileup starts getting a little bit thicker, they're going to start struggling for results. But guess what? They're going to pull through because they have match winners, and they did that last year too. So. We need to find ours, and whether that's in the squad, because I don't think Havertz and Sterling and Mount and all of our other attackers, I don't think any of them are lost causes by any stretch of the imagination. Kai Havertz still has the ability to pop and become a potential, you know, Ballon d'Or top five, you know, runner-up candidate, I guess, right? But we just haven't seen it on paper. It's, It's time to fucking show us, and that goes for everybody, Raheem Sterling included. It was a great pass he had, really good vision, and and also the placement where Raheem Sterling actually was when the ball turned over in possession. I mean, that's that's the pep effect. So maybe if we can get Raheem Sterling in those positions, he could become that guy. But still, one is not going to be enough. You still need one of Kai, Mount, Pulisic, or whoever the fuck we bring in kind of get banging to to help that front line. Otherwise... Yeah. It's going to be the same story as last year where our defenders' goals get us through the first half of the season, and then once those dry up, our season falls apart. I found the stat. It's two goals and one assist, and 
now his past 22 Premier League matches Yikes. since August of 2021. So, I mean, that's just that's just not enough. Um, yeah. You're going to play at striker. Um, let's let's move on a little bit. I want to talk about RLC at right wing back. Um, RLC at RWB. Um, that's something that we were really concerned about, our lack of depth at that position. We didn't know where we would find that depth at. And RLC did feature at that role a couple times last season out of, you know, desperation. And he looked really good. Again, he played uh, – how. He, well, he did play the full ninety, right? But he, he moved he moved to uh, center mid after a couple of changes when Dave came on. Yeah. Um, but the time he played at right wing back, he looked really good. He had two key passes, three out of four dribbles completed, twelve out of nineteen duels won. Um, so I thought he I thought his his I think he got. Like the amount of freedom that he gets on the wing really plays into his play style a lot. Like that Raheem Sterling goal, I mean, sorry, that should have been goal. Um, RLC, his dribbling to bring it up there into the box and lay it off to him was beautiful. It was great. Old school um, RLC. Yeah. He looked, was... he looked like old school RLC. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and he slotted pretty well at CM as well. So, you know, he, he's kind of like that Swiss Army knife kind of player, and I'm, you know, really pleased with how he looked. So, um, we did get a Twitter question from at CFC underscore Ronnie. He said, "Has Loftus Cheek played himself into the starting eleven? A good question, but it, it's no. Uh, it, the only reason why is because Reese James is that good. Um, if Reese James is injured or you know, is it on this team for whatever reason in some parallel universe? And yeah, ROC is a great option to play out there. He listens to everything Tuchel says to T. You hardly see Tuchel flipping out on him, really. Um, but, you know, he's been nice and tidy on the ball. And like you said, he sort of molded himself into a Swiss Army knife type of player where he can slot in and play at anywhere. He, he's a yes man. And Tommy Tuchel loves that kind of guy in his team. And I, I, I love that kind of player for Chelsea. This is a guy that just fucking wants to be here. There's no other way around it. So, you know, I'm all for that always. Um, but yeah, it, it's not a dig on RLC when I say that he's not in our best eleven. It's just a matter of Reese just being that good. And, and and I will say this: something that I noticed. I think RLC works at right wing back when Reese is playing center back specifically. Because Reese receives those ball in the half spaces when we're in possession and the other team's pinned deep in their defensive third. And he's a, he's a threat for that little lofted diagonal ball, right, towards the back post. So I noticed that it was either the wingback or the midfielders of Spurs. One of them would have to, to step up on Reese and close down, otherwise he was going to play that cross. And whenever it was the wingback, it freed up RLC. And the RLC's credit... He really timed his runs perfectly to sort of, you know, it timed his runs and angled his runs perfectly to one, receive the ball in the box, but also remain onside time and time again. That same pattern of play you talked about, Sam, where he kind of slalomed through like two or three guys and the ball found its way to Sterling. He did that a few times in the game and he found himself on the byline a couple times in the box in a 1v1 situation 
which is exactly where you want him because that's where he thrives. So yeah, I mean, in the future, I'm not opposed to seeing him start more games for us. And, you know, after a performance like this, it it's fully warranted to look at Loftus-Cheek and say, okay, if we don't go out and buy a right wing back, you can totally fill in that spot for the remainder of the season. I mean, you had one of yeah. the toughest assignments in the Premier League playing as a wing back, playing against the Conte team. That's that's straight up, that's probably one of the top three toughest assignments in your whole season if you're a wing back. It's playing against Spurs. Because you know the yeah. way Conte lines his teams up, you know the intensity in which they play. And yeah, I mean he, he completely passed the test with flying colors. So I'm happy for him. And honestly, Sam, I know you mentioned earlier that you know we could see Mason Mount dropping into the midfield and playing. I think it's gonna be a battle between Gallagher and RLC. And yeah. I think Gallagher might get the nod in the beginning just because, you know, his merit on loan last year at Palace. And then obviously Tuchel fucking loves him too. But I think Gallagher is going to be playing with sort of an air of caution to start, right? Because he doesn't want to make those big tactical mistakes because he knows that RLC is going to be sniffing down the back of his neck. Because that trust is already there with Tuchel. So that'll be an interesting space to keep your eye on. That sort of relationship and how Connor Gallagher plays when he does get the opportunity in that pivot, because if it doesn't work out for him, it's a matter of time before we see Loftus-Cheek there, because indications are we're not seeing Kovacic anytime soon. Conte's out for the foreseeable, so it's basically Georgie plus RLC or Connor Gallagher, depending on you know which side of the bed Tuchel wakes up on. Yeah, I have two thoughts on on this. So obviously, the reason why you wouldn't say that RLC is going to be in our starting 11 is because Reese James at right wing back is so important. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, in a match like, like against, against Tottenham where they have an elite left winger, like, uh, like Sun, it makes a lot of sense to play Reese James at right center back to mark him. And he did an amazing job. Like you don't want Dave out there getting burned by him. Mm -hmm. Um, Bringing in um, Fofana, possibly, that will change things up completely. Like, you, we probably won't see RLC play right wing back unless it's, you know, out of rotation. Um, but, like, there won't be, like, really be any situation where Tuchel needs to play Reese James at right center back due to uh, matchup. But I thought Sessegnon... Um, played an awful game and because of that you saw Reese um push up a lot and it looked like like Reese was actually playing wider than RLC right did you did you notice that as well yeah like, there were there were a lot of times where we saw this early on last season where the wing backs would sort of become inverted and our center backs would push higher up the pitch and sort of become auxiliary midfield players or outlets. So I, yeah. I did notice that, and I pointed it out to you in, in, earlier on in the match. There was one point where Reese at right center back overlapped RLC, and I was watching them, and I said, okay, well, here's the moment where they should switch back into their positions because now the ball's on the other side of the field, and there's sort of a break in play where they can reset. And Reese and RLC sort of looked at each other, then they gestured, and they both stayed where they were. So maybe that was a little tactical setup that Tuchel had in mind. Okay, RLC, granted, is not a center back. He has the quality to sort of cover in that position if Reese James wants to push up. And, you know, maybe that was 
Tuchel's doing. Maybe that was just an adjustment that they both noticed in the game and saw something that they could capitalize on. But again, I'm not opposed to that because they sort of have the similar skill set, except Reese James just has way better vision and could hit the ball way cleaner. But in terms of possession, strength, you know, the ability to track back and hold off defenders and keep things nice and tidy, that that little dynamic works almost perfectly. I I have no doubt that that was... uh... I designed that. That was Tuchel, yeah. That was one hundred percent Tuchel. Um, and I think that if you think about that a little bit more, there are all, there are a lot of situations where having Reese at right center back and RLC at right wing back make a lot of sense in the mm-hmm. attacking, like for in the attacking sense, and it, it makes your life so much easier to push up when you know that the two guys behind you are Tiago Silva and Koulibaly. Like, you can't ask for a better pairing to uh, back you up. So he has a lot of freedom to push up, and I think that that was really uh, nice to see. But um, Reese, let's talk a little bit more about Reese, his performance. Um, After he switched to right wing back, he scored us the, I'm going to call it the winner, even though technically it wasn't in my book, that was the winner. He should have had an assist as well. Uh, so I'm going to say he had an assist. Um, so he had the winner and an assist um, in my book. Three tackles, seven out of 10 duels won, 92% pass accuracy. I mean, like we're t- we talked about the, the whole, this whole discussion was talking about his contribution on offense, but it's it's so amazing how defensively he looks like he, like an elite center back as well. He can be either. It's it's I was, unbelievable. I was thinking about it today, and I would be shocked if Gareth Southgate doesn't take advantage of playing Reese James at right center back for England and playing Trent as the wing back and just utilizing. I mean, just the amount of crosses spammed into the box and overlaps and underlaps and one twos. I mean just makes me kind of salivate for England but again I shouldn't be rooting for them either because they're in the same group as the U.S. but some <laughs> it was kind of funny we just uh, sorry yeah like, we had we had the uh Raheem Sterling miss and then immediately after Harry Kane had a really bad miss and one of our friends Bobby who was watching the game with us too said England in the mud right now like <laughs> if those, if those are their two most potent attacking threats they're ha- gonna have some trouble <laughs> They're England's two most potent attacking threats, and and I'm being dead serious. Is Trent and Reese? Yeah, now they are. Like, let, let's just be completely honest, because Harry Kane in an England shirt outside of one major tournament, not so good. But anyways, going back to Reese, Sam, this game made me realize something. Um, Reese James is our best player. Yeah, just flat out, he's the most complete footballer on the team. He is arguably behind well Tiago Silva and Koulibaly are better defenders than him but both of those guys are are generational center backs um his ball progression is amongst the best on the team he's the best striker of the ball on the team he has the best vision on the team yeah and you can even argue he's the most versatile player on the team. I mean, in a Chelsea in a Chelsea kit, we've seen him play CDM. We've seen him play right wing back. We've seen him play right back, left wing back, left back, center back. He could play anywhere. 
So yeah, I I, I can't stop praising the guy. He is hmm. by far our best player right now, and I would even go as far to say as just raw talent. I don't think anybody comes close, and that's not disrespect to Mount or Kai or you know any of our young up and coming players. Reese James is just. I think I think when I think at the end of the day when he's when his career is over and he's retired, when I'm talking to my kids 10, 15 years from now, I'm telling them about how good Reese James was. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely our most important player too. Because yeah. I mean, week in and week out, we see Kai Havertz, we see Mason Mount have I mean Kai Havertz week in and week out, we see him have duds. Mason Mount he can have, you know, bad matches every once in a while, and that's fine. But without Reese James, we look, you know, he he we cannot play well if he doesn't have a good match. Like yeah. it's and and he doesn't. He rarely he rarely does uh have a bad match. Um it's it's amazing. And I'm I think I've after that match I officially decided I'm gonna get a Reese James jersey this year. <laughs> That, that was it's been like it's such a hard decision to choose who you want because there's so many players that I love, but I'm picking yeah. Reese James. Yeah, um, it'd be cool to have a Chelsea kit with the number twenty four on the back. Yeah, I'm so glad he didn't change his number. Yeah. Um he really he it looks good on him. Yeah. Um let's talk a little bit about the Conte injury. I mean Called it. It's, it's I mean it's this is my undress moment. I death called tax, it. Death taxes and N'Golo Conte pulling his hammy. <laughs> Those are the three things that are guaranteed in life. Um, it was a non-contact injury in the 84th minute. You see, you saw him pull up, grab the back of his leg. I mean, you put in the script suspected hamstring injury, but it's not suspected. It's you. You could. You knew instantly. And it sucks because, like, right before that, we were just thinking, man, Conte is back. That hamstring looks good. And we might have jinxed it a little bit. But, uh, I mean, there's not much to say. I think that reasonably we should have, like, expected it eventually. It sucks that it happened so early. Um, Probably be out for... A few weeks if not a few months you know it depends where we're sitting in the table how soon he needs to be rushed back um but i i wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's like two maybe three months lakeep um reported that it's three to four weeks and it hasn't been confirmed by anybody top tier yet but um i don't believe that report initially just based on the evidence that we saw i mean not, Maybe he could come back then, but I think that the team would hold him out longer. It, it it looked like his hamstring popped off of the bone. The way he went down, he didn't even try putting weight on it after he pulled it. Usually players will feel the tweak, and then they'll take like a really light step on that leg to kind of test it yeah. out. He just he went, went, down straight, he went straight down to his chest. Yeah, his stomach was on the ground the second he pulled his hammy. So he knew better than anybody. And I know Tuchel talked about it after the game and said... He feels it very strongly, like like the the actual pain and the pull. So yeah, that's the thing tell. with these with these hamstring injuries, man. I mean, we we all remember Fernando Torres. I mean, if you get a really bad hamstring tear, 
they it's become recurring. extremely difficult to come back. Yeah, look at uh, Diego. He's Costa. never gotten surgery on it, right? Same thing. Can you get surgery I, and repair that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I've never heard of like a hamstring injury, but it sucks. It's like I I love Ingolo Conte so much, and he's probably been like our best player in the past Arguably. decade. He's been arguably our best player this season too. I mean, he played. He was our, one of our only good players against Everton, and mm-hmm. Spurs had no idea how to contain him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, last weekend. That's the that's the thing. You know, we criticized him last year for not being up to the levels that we were used to him being at, but now we know that's a, that's just purely a result of injuries because he was healthy for these two matches and he looked like the old Angolo Conte. So he still could hit those levels, but is it worth taking that risk of keeping him around to, you know, maybe have him healthy for the big matches? Yeah, all right, we got a couple questions regarding that point. Um, this first one is from Kendall Higa at khiga 19 He said, Conte is probably out for at least a few weeks. Is it Gallagher season or are we now focused on Frankie de Jong? I mean, it makes the Frankie de Jong signing that much more appealing like now i'm yeah. before i was like it's not necessary and now i think it's very necessary i mean frankie is not he's been known to like not put like a hundred percent effort into defending i think that thomas tuchel if anyone can get that out of him but i mean what do you think about that I definitely agree. I mean, I said it last week. I think if a player like him becomes available, somebody that's a potential top five in their position, you got to go after them. Um, so we we might not get him at the discounted price we wanted because I know Barca is playing a little bit of hardball. They yeah, have his, price st- probably, his price probably went up now. Yeah. The Conte injury. They know we're desperate. Yeah, they know we're desperate. And then um, now th- there's a lot of moving parts. Barca's one giant legal clusterfuck right now um but yeah no i think I, I think it makes sense to go after him um should we go after a different profile type of midfielder i would still argue possibly i think i think a defensive minded midfielder would do the trick granted frankie could play there but generally speaking he's more suited running at teams and you know kind of being a more number eight type of midfield player so Let's see what happens. I really hope Chelsea pushed the deal through the line, or across the line, rather. Um, I think it's really important to get that cover there, because if we're looking at the rest of the team, yes, Loftus-Cheek can play there, but again, is he going to be at the level that a Kovacic or Jorginho or a Conte would in that position? Probably not. Conor Gallagher, again, could he play there? I'm sure he could, but... There's going to be growing pains with him. He is new to the team and new to the system. So that's another issue. Chukwameka is another name that we haven't really brought up yet either, but that's a guy that could possibly play in a pivot also. But all signs are showing he isn't ready yet either because he just played with the development team today. So a lot of moving parts here. Um, but now more than ever, I think that getting that extra depth in midfield is going to be extremely crucial, which is insane to say out loud because... It's arguably our strongest and deepest position. Yeah. Um, it makes and it also makes you think about, you know, Conte long term. We got a, another question from Michael Conan at Michael T underscore Conan on Twitter. He said Conte couldn't make it 
two games even without a even without a full preseason is there any reason to consider an extension at this point not gonna like this but no hard question Zach. it's a hard Mm. question but it deserves an honest answer because the proof is in the pudding i the best ability is availability right you always hear that term in basketball or in american sports guys that are available week in and week out will get the time just simply based on the fact that they're healthy and they're available and Conte was a beneficiary of that mindset and that mentality for a bulk of his career. I mean, he really didn't start getting hurt until last season, which is crazy to think about because the guy probably puts in more mileage and more physical tackles on other players than anybody else in Europe's top five leagues. So for somebody that puts in that much output and just destroyed their body for that long it's only a matter of time before the injuries start catching up to them and i think we're at the point now where again you have to make that decision is it worth bringing a guy like conte back um to only play some of the games or to be a bit part player because granted if he does have the ability to be a world-class player for one match he's shown that he doesn't have that ability to be that same player for three or four matches in a row and that's what we need. And to go back to your point about Frankie, that's what he'll give us. He'll give us the availability. He gives us, obviously, the youth. So we don't really have to worry about his uh, his injury record or his health anytime soon. Um, and, and, and the profile, it just fits. So based on all of those factors, I don't think I don't think we pursue a contract extension with him. The only way I would do that is with the understanding that we'll sell him further down the line and get something out of it. Otherwise, let him go on a free. The guy's a legend. I don't think any Chelsea fan will be upset at him if he does decide to walk. I I think he's earned the right to make that call for himself. So, yeah, respectfully I would let him go. I mean, it really like it's it's hard to see like another big team because they have the same information as us. I mean, as far as like his injury history, and it doesn't really seem like. I mean, maybe club PSG might get would be desperate. perfect for him. Yeah, PSG but, would be perfect. I mean, he wouldn't have to play in the league, and he'll only play Champions League. Maybe that true. works. Yeah, and like salaries is not like an issue for them. Like <laughs> we don't want to. You know, overpay a guy like pay him two hundred thousand pounds a week when he's not playing fifty percent of the season, or if he's going to block the pathway to a Chukwuemeka or a Connor Gallagher or Ampadu or a Billy Gilmore. I mean, I we have a lot of players that, that are. If Conte's healthy, I don't care about that. No, 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 no. I'm talking about paying him two hundred thousand a week to be like a bit part player. Or yeah. a rotational player. If we're going right. to do that, then let's just pay an academy player a quarter of that and give him the game time. I don't like this. Uh, I don't like talking about this. It makes me depressed. But we're about to get even more depressed because we're going to talk about the officiating decisions. Um, just I I don't want to get I don't want to talk too much about it. Let's let's try to keep it short. Yeah. Everything that has been said, like about the monstrosity, has already been said. Um, but two, inst- both goals directly, directly following 
two big no calls in the 67th minute. Kai getting fouled by Ben Betancourt. I don't even know how to pronounce his name uh, correctly. Betancourt. Um, tackled from behind. Um, he got went through his shin, uh, went through his ankle. Um, then Spurs take it down the other end, make it 1-1 via Hoiberg, uh, you know, outside the box shot. That's when Tuchel and Conte, they first get into it, which was pretty cool. In addition to that, Richarlison arguably could have been called offside for blocking Mendy's line, uh, line of sight. Um, so, I mean, that was, I think, a little bit more questionable whether that should have been called or not. Like, I'm fine with that not being called offside. I'm more annoyed by the foul, the no call on the foul. Mm-hmm. was upset about it. Clearly, Kai Havertz was upset about it. And then the 95th minute, Romero fucking yanks Kukurea down by his hair. VAR, Mike Dean working the VAR. He doesn't see anything. Fucking, I mean, fucking, what's his name? Anthony Taylor. You see a replay. He's looking right at it, too. He sees it. He sees it happen right in front of him. It it wasn't like one of those screenshots where one fan base said he was looking at it and the other one's like, no, his head was turned. No. His yeah, head was looking right at it. Conclusive evidence. Um, that was, and then right after, you know, then they get another corner after that, and they score the equalizer in the 96th minute. Um, it's so annoying. I mean, we got a it, Twitter it, about that uh, from Black Emoji, at Black Emoji. He said, a handful of hair. What is this, a Divas match in WWE? <laughs> Seemed like it, didn't it? it? It was one of those patent WWE Diva moves where they literally just two fistfuls of hair and you slam the girl on the back of her head. Um, disappointing song because we all kind of saw it coming when earlier this week the news went around that he was chosen to officiate the game. Um, I've watched every single one of his uh, highlight reels, per se. I guess that's what you could call it on Twitter. A.K.A. the nine-minute videos of him just making nine minutes worth of crucial mistakes in only Chelsea matches. Um, it's flagrant to just... It's, it's obvious. Yeah, it's... it's it's. I, I can't think of any other word but obvious, flagrant you know, just belligerent. It's criminal. Yeah. I I don't know how time and time again, he can get away with making poor refereeing decisions. And I know this is never going to happen. And I kept saying this while we were watching the game, but what a world it would be if the referees got interviewed after the match. I would love that because it would hold them to a higher standard. You know, now their decisions are going to have to be explained immediately after the match. I want to know the logic. What was Mike Dean's logic in not seeing the hair pull? What was the logic in not even giving Romero as little as a foul? What's the logic of Bentoncourt going through the back of Kai's shin before touching the ball not being a foul? What's the logic of Richarlison standing in Mendy's line of sight not being offsides? What's the logic of Reese James getting penalized for tackling Harry Kane on a on a on a counterattack and getting a yellow 
but not Bentoncourt, but not Hoiberg. As Tuchel said, Hoiberg must have committed three or four tactical fouls in the game and didn't get carded for one of them. And you should be carded after your first. It's an intentional foul. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. it, 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 was, it was flagrant, it was belligerent, it was all the above. It was frustrating because, like I said, we fucking played so well. And we got the performance that we wanted from the players. We got the reaction we wanted from the players. All of the emotion was there. The bridge was rocking. I mean, we were watching it in Houston, Texas. And, you know, there were moments we could hear it. We could feel the energy there. We had a buddy of ours. Our buddy Lucius was there. And uh, he had a pretty good view of the whole dugout brawl after the match. And, And he was telling us how crazy the energy was there. And that it's only two games into the season. And it already feels like we're in the middle of January. And 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 that's the kind of reaction you wanted from the players, but the fact that the ref just had to completely fuck it up with some with some non calls is ridiculous. Now, well, I'll actually let you ask this question first because I do have a lot more to say about this. Um. Well, before that, I just want to say, I I I truly believe that um, the FA will look into this and they'll probably suspend him. Because this is like a suspendable offense. We've seen it happen before. For who, Romero? And, yeah, for Romero. They already announced oh. that they're not doing anything. They did? Yeah. Okay, I'm actually happy about that because... They're not doing if anything. They, if they did suspend him, that would have made me even more mad. Um, so He's a cunt, okay. huh? He's yeah, been hanging out a... with Eric Dyer too much. Yeah, you kind of you want that from your center back, to be honest. Um. This one is uh, so the question that Zach was alluding to. This one's from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He said, with the craziness of this game and the way it ended, would this be the beginning of the FA looking into how bad their officiating is, or will it be business as usual? Good one, Ron. Good one. I think I think it's business as usual, unfortunately. I disagree with you, Sam. I th- and and I'm not saying that to spite you. I'm just not confident in the FA or the PGMOL being competent enough and man enough uh, to have the cojones to say, "Hey, we made a mistake, um, and this is how we're gonna try to make up for it, and this is how we're gonna that's handle not, it in the future." That's not disagreeing I, with me. That's what I was saying too. I said, "Good one, Ron." Like that. <laughs> why is yeah. this a question? They're not gonna look into that. <laughs> yeah. Well, like 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 here's the thing. I've I've seen different logic on Twitter, and I don't know what the actual rules are, but I heard that the logic behind the Romero hair pull is because hair pulling is not actually mentioned in the rule book as a bookable offense. And, but if you pulled him down like by the shoulder, like that would be a foul. If this is pre VAR, if this is if this is pre VAR, and the ref does see that in real time. He's getting sent off every single time. If this is any other league in the world, even with VAR, they're getting sent off every single time. I didn't hear one single pundit defend Mike Dean's decision to not tell Anthony Taylor to go review that. What do you mean? I mean, you're saying in a world without VAR, he'd be sent off? I mean, he'd even call the foul. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying in, a world, in a world without VAR, if he saw it, he gets Which sent off. He did see it. I I, gen- I I genuinely think, Sam, I genuinely think that he's just being he's just playing stupid and saying he didn't see it. And that's why the FA is just not really 
taking any action on it. Because if he tell if he goes and tells the FA, hey, look, I saw it, but I didn't think it was a bookable offense, the FA is going to be like, well, we have a video of a fistful of curly hair. And even my fiance was sitting in the room with us. She's like, Kukurea's hair is so curly. If you stick one finger in his hair, it's going to take you five minutes to pull that finger out, let alone a, a fistful of hair. So the way he went down was natural. The reaction from him was natural. The motion in which Romero's arm was moving clearly showed that he was pulling on his hair. I I, I don't understand what you're saying, Zach, because in a world of VAR, it makes it more obvious. Because, like, you're saying maybe he missed it. And with with the help of VAR, you're able to watch it and see that it happened. So, obviously, you would think. You're cut. I mean, it has nothing to do with VAR. It's, It's. it's, I mean, I think the only clear explanation, and it's crazy to think that, is that Mike Dean and Anthony Taylor, those two bald fucking cunts, he are chose. jealous. Are jealous of Mark Kukurea's long, beautiful, curly hair. Yeah, the men in blazers. The men in blazers. I think they were the ones that said uh, petition for balds not to not to make decisions on follicle based calls or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, dude, I, I, ha, the, all bald people should be against that because I now hate all bald people. I have a vendetta against bald people in general because of them too. I don't like bald people anymore, Zach, and that's not fair. For, that's not fair to them. Yeah, well, we have a few friends that are balding. So. Yeah, and I don't like them anymore. They're well, no longer my friends, Zach. Yeah, are you, you balding? What? No, I'm not. Okay, good. Thankfully, doesn't run on and my we family. Can, then, we, then we can remain co-hosts on this podcast. <laughs> Damn, shots at Andres. Is Andres balding? I, he's not on the show to defend himself. I don't. I didn't notice it. Maybe he is. If he is, we're gonna have to have a talk after the after we uh, finish recording. But fuck bald people and fuck probably bald like, after that match. Fuck Anthony Taylor. Uh, I almost went bald ripping my fucking hair out of my head, man. <sighs> that's only oh. the beginning that's only the tip of the iceberg though isn't it hmm the referees in this match <laughs> well Tuchel had some nice uh post-match quotes um well we didn't mention the, the Conte the second, saga yeah the second uh fight between the two after the match how Tuchel didn't let go of his hand after the handshake and that was just, I mean, I loved to see that. Both of them got red cards. He's going to serve a one-game suspension, right? Yeah, yeah unfortunately. Won't, won't, uh, worth it. I don't care. And, and and Conte still had the, the balls to talk shit after the game. He posted on his Instagram. He's like, if I would have saw you running by me, I would have tripped you. Nah, like, that's 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 I, that's playing. That's That's funny. I don't think that he meant that like us to talk shit. I I, I still think I think they're cool. I still love Antonio Conte. Am I allowed to say that? Of course. I mean, I know we're gonna. I know we're talking shit about Spurs, but to me, he's still very much Chelsea because he hasn't won shit there. Um, I think what both what both managers did were justified in the you, heat of you that want, match. You want your managers doing that, right? If you're Just a player, the context, everything that happened, the 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 team's history against each other. You remember 2017, Battle of the Bridge, like, 
you know, and then what happened in this match? Oh, what about what it about justified? What about two years ago when Lloris tackled uh, Alonzo and Alonzo and got booked? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and that, and and Son hey, literally who, kicked who, Rudiger in the chest. Hey, guess Fuck. who officiated that match? Tottenham, dude. Anthony I guess Taylor. Who fish- yeah. I know, and, because it, that, it, that highlight was in every single highlight reel of his on YouTube. And is it on record that Mike Dean is a Tottenham fan? Is this like a well-known thing, or am I? That is, is that fake news I read somewhere? You know what's fake news? Fake news is that Mike Dean is retired. Go away. You're, you're retired. Like, stop it. Just, know, that was like just the greatest go day of my life. Just go away. Comment? It's uh, unbelievable how fucking terrible the officiating is. It's it's worse than any other sport. We talk shit about the NBA refs. The NBA refs look like saints compared to some of these calls in the Premier League. It's unbelievable. And why the fuck do the FA still assign them to our big matches? It, Mike it's D- okay. How about this? Anthony Taylor's going to the World Cup. <laughs> the PGMOL is like, listen, we're going to send you our best guy. Hey, Anthony, uh, lay off the crack pipe. You're going to Qatar. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is a good ref when he's not officiating a Chelsea match. I, w- I, I have no idea. But when he cannot objectively officiate a Chelsea match, and I, I'm, that's it. I'm, we're done talking about yeah, that. Yeah, um, next. Thomas Tuchel had some post, post-match comments, some gems. <laughs> I mean, I said we were done about talking about the refs, but he's not done. He said... I cannot coach, but the referee can whistle the next game. Facts. I love um, that. I love that. Yeah, when he was asked about the issues with Anthony Taylor, he said, "Not only the fans, the players know what's going on. They know it." Um, yep. Talking about the frustration with points dropped, he said, "Hopefully, in the season, we will steal some points at the last minute. This can happen, but it can't happen when we have VAR." that goals are allowed that should not be goals. This is unacceptable. We were so sharp, fully on, and played a brilliant match. What a step up for us from the first match against Everton. So, as fans, Zach, how should we feel about his statements post-match? We should be already designing his statue. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we, we should have done that after we won the Champions League anyways, but the way this guy defends his players... The way he defends his actions, the way he defends his teams, he stands tall on both of his feet in these press conferences and he doesn't hide behind stupid phrases and dancing around questions and beating around the bush. I'll give you the perfect example. It took Antonio Conte almost an hour after the match ended to cool off to say his to you know to talk about the game. So he comes out and the and the and the the I don't know, the interviewer asks him a question. And he plays dumb, and he goes, "What is what is the like?" He he basically acts like the Antonio Conte that was here that didn't know how to speak English. Once the guy asked him the question again, he responded in perfect English, and gave him like a minute and a half long answer as to why the clash with Tuchel happened and why it's not a big deal and why we all shouldn't worry about it and these things happen in football and blah blah blah. So. 
there's two different, you know, managerial styles and there's two different ways to talk in the press. And I would rather have Tuchel's over Conte's. Granted, I still love Conte because Conte was a coward in his, with his interview. He didn't actually defend the way he, the way he acted. Instead, he said, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm not, I'm not paying attention to it. Tuchel on one hand is saying, yeah, it's not a big deal, but guess what? I'm defending my players. What's the difference with me going chest to chest with the other team's manager, as opposed to Jorginho going chest to chest with Hoiberg? It's the same thing. We're all part of the same club. We're all trying to accomplish the same goal and achieve the same goal. So the fact that Tuchel's coming out and he's standing on all of his statements, he's criticizing the people that need to be criticized, and factually speaking, and this is with zero Chelsea bias, did he say anything wrong? No. no. So, as a as a as a gen as a general neutral football fan, if you're looking at this situation, he did not say a single thing wrong, knowing that he was on the sh- knowing that he got the shit side of the coin with the no calls and conceding the two goals and you know not not getting all three points. So so mm-hmm. good on him, and I'm really glad he didn't go into this and just you know start cursing up a storm and he didn't solely rely on the referee's efforts instead he went back and kept alluding to the fact that his team played well and that his frustration stemmed from the fact that his team did what they needed to do to win and the fact that the ref took it away pissed him off he didn't say the ref just completely tossed the game and gave it to them no we did what we needed to do to win the game and the ref didn't make the right calls so that approach is completely logical and I i think any other football fan would agree Yep, I liked I liked it. Um, all right, let's get into some transfer rumors uh, before we do the Leeds match preview and then wrap up the episode. So, um, just a couple new things that were uh, brought up in this past week. Um, today, actually, um, we uh, Cesare Casadai from Inter Milan, twenty-year-old um, kid. Uh, has agreed to personal terms with the club on a six-year deal. Um, so apparently our next official bid will be um, the right one to complete the deal for 15 million pounds or euros plus add-ons. Um, I I read through his scouting report with this one guy uh, that I really trust. His, uh, his name is, uh, I forget what his name is. Uh, football talent scout, um, and it's a really, really exciting scouting report. I must say, um, like they compare him to Goretzka. He's a big center mid, defensively minded, um, great passer, great at possession, winning the ball back. It does look um, like he gets in the box when he needs mm-hmm. to. Also, yep. He's a very he's he's elite with his head. Um I mean both inside with his smarts and the outside with heading the ball. Um but yeah, this this could be an exciting signing. We'll have to see more to make our judgments on him. I am not sure whether the Ngolo Conte injury kind of sparked this because um I hadn't heard anything really about this up until a no, couple of days no. ago. It was it was a rumor before. Um, was it? S- sorry to cut you off. It was a rumor oh, before. Yeah. 
the, I, I saw it in the last couple weeks, but I noticed this week um, Chelsea really kind of stepped up their pursuit and made him priority number one. They just kind of want to get this deal. Out. The idea is they want to get this deal out of the way so they could focus on Fafana and get that deal tied up. So um, I know their next bid that they're coming in, like you said, is going to be that 15 mil plus add-ons. Um, but there still is no word, and this is what I'm curious about, there's no word on what his role is going to be. Are we going to bring him into the team right away? Are we going to try to loan him out? Or is he just going to yeah. kind of be like a Buyamba type signing where we get him in a development squad and just kind of see what happens? The thing that the, the thing for me is 15 million doesn't warrant a development squad player. If you're going to spend 15 million, he's either in your first team or going out on loan for one year. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, we might bring him in and, and get him some first team minutes. Yeah. Uh, that's like that's what I'm thinking. Um, what I do mean, you think Lukaku's telling him? Don't go. And hopefully he's not listening to that guy. Giving um, him cryptic tweet advice. Yeah. Salty bum. Uh yeah, he's 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 gonna be a social media manager. Um but yeah, I mean today uh in our uh development squad, Premier League two, we had um we had Chuck play, we had Ampadu play, we had um Chalaba play. We had Ben Chilwell play, and we we lost three nil against Fulham, which is actually which is crazy to think about. But um, so I I think Ampadu and I think uh, Billy Gilmore might have played too. I'm not sure, but I'm interested to see whether he can take that spot and like make our first team. But we'll see. This is this it's too soon to make any you know predictions or judgments on the signing i think but from what i've seen and i watched a little bit of his tape um i'm kind of excited he could be good um the next rumor our interest in everton's forward anthony gordon 21 year old ginger right he's a ginger yeah he's no i don't know if he's a ginger he's he looks blonde he's like a he's like a really like a light, light, light blonde. Uh, Everton rejected our forty-eight million pound bid for the kid, um, and we're expected to come back with a higher offer for him. I was so shocked to see that. I mean, like, I, I I've watched a couple Everton matches. I've seen him play. I haven't seen anything to warrant that size of a bid. That alone is something that's like very shocking to me. But we have enough young wingers that are not proven yet. Why do you want to bring another one on? Like, why is that our priority? Spending that much money? Like, let's go save that money. Let's just spend it on Fofana. That's that's such a it's that I think that's ridiculous business. That that was my initial reaction to it too. Um, I've been the first person to put my hand up and praise the way we've gone about our business in this window, the types of players we've targeted, the profile of players we've targeted. This one, um, this one just doesn't make sense for me because I've seen some of the details of the deal, and apparently Everton are going to struggle to find a replacement for him this late. 
So they're I, they're asking for a player in return since they have a lot of interest in Chelsea players. Frank wants Chelsea players at Ch- at Everton. So take Joe, please. No, I've seen Connor Gallagher's name and I've seen Broja's no. name thrown out, and those oh are the God. and and those are the two names that I don't want thrown out there in fucking loan talks. These are the only two guys that deserve to come back on loan full stop after their after their years seasons last year. So if bringing in. Deal. If exactly if if getting Anthony Gordon means Broja goes the other way on loan one year, then it's done. I don't want Scrap, this deal. I, I I don't want this deal to go through. But if we're going after Anthony Gordon at for to kind of pad our attack and to sort of develop little by little over time, fine. I know he's a prospect. I know he has high upside. I know he has potential. But guess give what? Give him the ten. Guess what? 75 other U21s and U23s in, in, in England have that potential. It's not unusual to have potential as a young English player. So out of all the business we've done so far, I've praised it. I think everything's been nearly flawless with a few hiccups every now and then. But that's fine. It's still 8 or 9 out of 10 transfer window any day of the week. This, if it happens, it'll make it a 5 or a 6. I agree. I agree. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't complained about any of his of the other deals that we've had. This one is the first one this summer that I have been completely against. I do not want this at all, Zach. I mean, mm-hmm. if it happens, I'll definitely be changing my tone about him. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, well obviously, I, you're gonna root for the kid. And like yeah. I said, it's not a slight on him as a player. I know the first thing people are gonna do is go on their phones and look how many appearances and goals and assists he has. That's not the way to judge a young player. Like, we, we all know that. Be, you go look at Pulisic's goals and assists and look at his appearances. Are you going to say he sucks? Because the numbers will tell you that he's not that great. But when you watch oh, him, yeah. it's a little different. There's so yeah, many well, guys like people, that. A lot of people will tell you he sucks. I guess he's a bad <laughs> example. But you get, you, you get my point. There's a lot of players around Europe that just don't pad the stats that are young that have huge upside that just rack up appearances and experience. So he's another one of those guys. He he won't be a bad signing at face value. It's just, I need to see the terms in which he's signed. If Broja or Gallagher goes the other way, then fuck that. I don't like the deal, but if we're buying him just to kind of buy him and see what type of player he becomes, then fine. I mean, if, if this is the guy that Tuchel really sees as, Having potential, who are we not to trust Tuchel and Bowley? But the thing that kind of worries me, and now that I'm kind of talking out loud here, why are we going after him this late in the window? If we really had such a vested interest in him, we would have agreed something with Everton early on to give them the time they need to reinvest the fifty million. That's just my take. That 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 that's just my take on it. I I think it's a I think it's if anything is a panic buy, it's this. Yep. All right, um, let's finish it up. Leeds preview away at Elton Road. Right now, Leeds is sitting right above us, six in the table. Um, right now, Rodrigo, their striker, is the leading goal scorer in the Premier League with three goals in the first two matches. Um, last, They're coming off uh, a blown 2-0 lead against Southampton last week. They drew with them 2-2. Um, they did lose some big names, but they did bring in 
two Americans, um, Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams. So exciting for USA fans to watch this match. Um, apparently, Brendan Aronson has been a fan favorite. Um, has become a fan favorite in just two matches. Um, Tyler Adams, and, too. And it's not yeah. just the American bias. The he's, They've actually been playing well. Yeah, and Brendan Aronson did have a goal taken away two weeks ago. Um, it was a game winner, and they, they called it ended up calling it an own goal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a tough uh, match. It's tricky. Yeah, and American uh, American manager. So yeah, they're calling him Leeds. Of... They're calling him Leeds United States of America. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I I think it's a tricky match. It's a banana peel. It, it reeks of it, doesn't it? A bunch of unknown players to the Premier League, like Tyler Adams, like uh, Aronson. Um, they also have uh, the strikers, Sinistera, the guy they just signed as well. I don't know if he's going to be mm. available or not, but that's another guy that's unknown in the Premier League. So who knows? They can hit the ground running and just pop. Um, so the fact that there are unknown commodities in that sense, the Jesse Marsh effect, uh, he's he's fearless as a manager in terms of the way he sets his teams up. He doesn't really compromise his pl- He doesn't like to compromise his playing style all too much. And we also have to count in the fact that N'Golo Conte is going to be out, and Kovacic is going to be out. So we're going to be starting somebody at center mid who hasn't been playing there regularly. So the patterns of play, the smoothness of play, the tidiness in possession might not be there right from the kickoff, um, like it was mm-hmm. against Spurs. So let's uh, let's kind of see what happens. I still feel confident. I think we ha- I think we have more than enough to get a to get a victory over these guys. Um, I think Cucurella probably starts again. It would be a crime if he didn't start. Um, Reese James back at wing back, um, and then maybe Connor Gallagher partnering uh, Jorginho at the pivot. Uh, but I won't be surprised if we see yeah. ROC there just purely out of familiarity. And I was hoping that this would be a um, like a rotation match, based off of you know how Leeds looked last year, their departures. You know, Calvin Phillips gone. Mm-hmm. Rafinha gone. Um, I would have thought that this would be like you know a rotation match where we can play a lot of you know some of the young guys. And I think we we might see, um, you know, Connor Gallagher start. Maybe Broja might get a start. Um, it it would but... it would actually it would suck if Kai got benched next game because I I think he did play well overall against Tottenham. I think he did enough to continue starting. Yeah. I mean, but I, 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 but my point is that I don't think that that's not that this is that type of match. Like it's going to be tough, and yeah. we we might have to field our best eleven. Um, but anyway, let's get our predictions out of the way, Zach. We've been defending really well, um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to say we keep a clean sheet, and it's going to be two nil. I think one of them will be a penalty, and who knows scores our next goal, but we're not going to score a lot. We'll score one from open play and one from a set piece, 2-0. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Leeds have given, have, haven't kept a clean sheet so far this season in two matches. Um, so I, I think that one or two goals uh, is not 
is not out of the question. Um, so, yeah, I think 2-0 is a good prediction. I'm thinking I'm going to go with that as well. Yeah. Chelsea. In Chelsea's favor, of course. 2-0 Chelsea. And uh, we'll just keep climbing the table, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you guys are still listening to us, make sure you are following us on Twitter, uh, at Blues on Parade. We also drop an episode after every single match. As you guys know, usually there's three of us. Uh, but today was just me and Sam. Um, and until next week, I guess we'll keep the blue flag flying high, right, Sam? Sir. Sure.